after further reveal. What's up, everyone? Welcome to After Further Review, episode 14 on the podcast. Hard to believe we're already on episode 14. And we have an exciting one today. We're going to get right into some NBA talk. Sixers got a 3-2 lead. Can't be too uh, too upset about that. And how, how are we feeling over here? What's going on, everyone? We are feeling super excited about Game 5. By far the best performance yet for the Philadelphia 76ers. And be with the monster game. He's looking bouncy. Harden with the bounce back game. He was efficient. Maxi and Tobias Harris, big contributors. And it was just a great, great, great team win. After a sketchy pullout win in game four where they almost blew it. Great overtime win in game four. Even better win in game five. I'm not comfortable yet because it's Boston and because it's the second round. But boy, am I happy about it. Chase, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, the exact same way. All day leading into that game, I just felt kind of uncomfortable and I don't I didn't really know what to expect and Boston at home is obviously one thing to be feared. So, getting the win at home on such a close terms in overtime was huge for us. You know, big momentum going into the game in Boston and then getting that win in such a dominant fashion the way we did. And Tyrese Maxey was locked in and that was one of those games early on when you saw it. Like how when he was just hitting shots, it was just a laser. You're like, okay, this game, he's going to be different. Like, And with him doing that, it gives their offense so much more flexibility. Joel can do what he wants. Harden can really floor general and, you know, move the offense around. And Maxi took advantage of all the shots he got. So it was a huge game. I will say game four, I mean, you guys got a vintage James Harden and could not have asked for more from, from him, especially when you got him. I mean, this is the type of performance you wanted in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, all those years on the Houston Rockets, like some of those closeout games and stuff, him not always hitting all of his threes or, you know, making some mistakes. And obviously game one was something for show. But game four was – it wasn't a must win, but it was really big to win that one at home after losing Friday night, uh, Embiid's MVP night. And that shot that Jalen Brown, he almost blocked hard in the corner. But what a pass by Embiid to kick it out. Harden with all the confidence in the world after not even knowing where he was in game three. Draining that and then having Marcus Smart hit front iron and then have him shoot it too late in overtime. Like that Harden shot was hard to sink a little bit on that shot. I yeah. was more stressed about the one in, in, in regulation, okay. the one that went front iron. Okay. Um, the one in overtime, I thought, was late. Yeah, I was actually listening to it on the radio, so the call was, like, even more intense, like, oh. leading into the minutes, and it's just silent. Like, you hear the crowd and everything, and you're like, okay, what just happened? I can't see anything. And trying to figure out the chaos at the end of the game, like, in overtime, you know, but just insane, insane games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got to give some props to Doc because we hate on him all the time for his rotations and, you know, the minutes and just just play calling. But he went to zone a lot the past couple of games. He was mixing it up. Um, Daniel House Jr. actually had some big minutes last night. He finished yeah. like 10 points, I think. And it was just weird because he's a guy that barely ever plays. I mean, Paul Reed playing exceptional off the bench. But one thing I do want to want to talk about. That Friday loss was like one of the most disappointing losses probably of the season. 
And, you know, Harden was obviously out of it, but Tyrese Maxey's been super hit or miss this series. And he came out and said how they on Saturday had like a really intense, not heated, but just intense film session. And then all the players opened up and they were basically real with each other. Like they were not criticizing, but they were saying like, here's what you can do better. Here's what we need from you. And the fact that they came out game four and then followed it up with even more fluency in game five, like that film session Saturday obviously did something to them. Yeah. it's And it's the leadership too, from the top down. This is something that wouldn't have happened to the Sixers a few years ago when it mattered in closeout games. And now we're getting to a point where we have Boston fans at home booing their team. Like that's a huge, huge turn all of a sudden. And there was games in the regular season where we beat up Boston and, and whatnot, but doing it in the playoffs is obviously a different thing. So just tremendous, whatever they did, I hope they can keep it going, especially at home. You know, the crowd's going to be going out, you know, crazy. Cause this is, this could be the game where we do it and get past this round finally. Yeah. And I mean, you said it just, I mean, you can tell that these players want to win. I mean, that press conference after game three, when Embiid basically, he didn't call out Harden, but he was like, like, be aggressive, keep shooting, like, you need to do this. Like, could you imagine if Embiid said that to Ben Simmons a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. Like, you want to be, he'd be doing what he's doing right now, not playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then PJ Tucker, like, yelling at Embiid last game and just being like, like, stay aggressive, like, keep doing you, man. Like, there's just a lot of like intensity. Um, and I know Doc talked a little bit about that emotional terrorism. And I've obviously the Sixers organization probably has some of that with this round two, like you said. But oh my goodness, will Thursday's game be huge at home? And you yeah. like you don't want to lose that game. Don't mess around and go back to Boston. Just just please get out of it. Yeah. Well, just to touch on the Dindle House thing real quick. That's just one of those coaching moves that always happens to us. It feels like where somebody deep on someone's bench just comes out, starts thwarting people on the defense, gets a, you know, a couple points on the offensive end, just enough to make a difference. And it was like, finally for us, it just came out of nowhere. And it was such a surprise to see him and then get the minutes and then stay in through the game and just really make a difference. Like there was games where he said to, you know, contested shots and got a rebound at big points in the games where it's like, yeah, it was only a few here and there, but it was at pivotal points that he did that. So really good move by doc. I mean, I haven't really seen him really do that a whole lot with the Sixers before, you know, go deep outside of his rotation and pull someone in for substantial minutes in a, an important game in the playoffs, but proud. And I'm happy I got to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause Nyang's been like contributing a little bit and he's playing really well out there. And besides Melton's game one, there hasn't been a lot of bench points in general. I actually thought Doc would have gone to shake Milton a little more than, than he has in this series. I guess there's a lot of length um, in the guards in Boston. Uh, but yeah, that, that Daniel house thing was, that was wild. I mean, <laughs> the whole year I basically trashed on the guy and he comes in energy i mean it was a game where the refs were calling fouls on anything possible and so he comes in gets two three fouls like no big you don't have to stress about that he has 10 points a couple big fast break ones what causes boston to call a timeout 
And then Joe Mazzola tries to flip the switch switch by doing the same thing. And he brings in little boy Peyton Pritchard and he does absolutely nothing out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to see. I mean, going from that series to like the Lakers, you had a similar situation where they just plugged in Lonnie Walker, who earlier in the season got some substantial minutes and kind of fell out of the rotation. And I mean, we've seen he's a talented player and then just came off and hit some. I mean, he had. 17 points in the fourth quarter and just some massive shots for the Lakers. And now here they are up three to one, which is crazy to to even think about. Yeah. I didn't think the Lakers would be this far at this point in the playoffs and doing it with commanding fashion too. I mean, there's games where they come out and been a little slow, a little rusty, but AD for as much as I've dumped on him, most of for our podcast episodes, he's been substantially reliable so far which, you know, hasn't been true through most of his time in L.A. Yeah, knock on wood. I mean, the main thing is he's been healthy and he's putting up numbers. (laughs) And talking about A.D. quick, I just I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the NBA defensive uh, first and second teams came out and A.D.'s not on either, which is I don't know if it's just because he didn't play a ton during the regular season. But the weirdest thing to me is that Marcus Smart, who won defensive player of the year, is not. NBA first team or NBA second team defensive. And I don't understand how the yeah. defensive player of the year is not on a defensive all team. Like it doesn't that's make- that's kind of like what I was saying about Embiid with the MVP. And like yeah. my feelings changed a little bit watching his uh speech and everything. And obviously I know it meant a lot to him, but yeah. I just don't want next year to go back and just give it right back to Jokic, like right away at the beginning of the year where he's the favorite and then it never dwindles. Like, right. Okay. So I don't know, but like, it's the same thing. Like you're saying, how was Marcus smart? Not even second team. Like, okay, maybe he dropped off, but how did he get totally off the radar? Yeah. I mean, regardless if you think he should have won it or not, if he won it, he should be an all defensive team to some extent. Yeah, yeah. No matter how good of an individual defender you are, Boston's defense is—they're a good defensive team. And if he's the best defender on a good defensive team, yeah, that's that's weird. I mean, not to shit on Derek White, but does Derek White deserve it over Smart when Derek White mm. is on there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but back to the Warriors Lakers. I mean, another weird stat I saw is that. Um, Steph is 0 for 12 in his playoff career on potential go-ahead shots in the final 45 seconds of fourth quarter overtime. Wow. Yeah, this this is a weird series for me because I haven't always rooted for the LeBron throughout the years, but I usually did when he faced Golden State. And first to Ben's point, Steph is not clutch. I, I'm not. Yeah, I right. know. Yeah, I know. We agree with that. But I just want the people to know this: that Steph Curry is not clutch. No matter how great of a shooter he is, I'm taking Dame Lillard to take a game-winning shot over him. You know, Ray Allen to take a game-winning shot over him, regardless how many three Steph drains. But this matchup in particular is really, really weird to me because Golden State thrives on small ball. And the Lakers don't have a lot of big guys in there. Like the Warriors are playing to what they want. And on the Lakers, I mean, Reeves is a weird story, but they've been plugging different guys in and out of the lineup. Vanderbilt's in there not doing much. D'Angelo Russell has struggled throughout basically the whole playoffs. He's been super miss more than hit. And 
it's just wild to me that the Warriors aren't dominating more. Like it's Clay Thompson's been Clay Thompson all year. Um, I get that the last two years he's been still just kind of trying to get his legs under him. But it's it's just wild to me that they're down three one. Yeah, I, I mean it seems like from watching some of the series, the Lakers' length is just deciding factor right now. I mean the the defense of the Lakers and the Warriors are not able to get the shots that they want, and they're not um, getting the ball in. I mean the biggest thing is that three ball is just not falling for them. And watch even like AD on Curry, and he's you know he's locking him down. Um, and you got you got these guys playing max effort um, for the Lakers. So you have, um, I mean, Russell had a pretty bad game last one, but you have more guys who can, you know, put the ball in the bucket for the Lakers. And I mean, the Warriors three one, they're still not out of it. So we'll see. But I mean, Ben, just just think about this. Like they got Dante Divincenzo coming off the bench. Oh, he was on a he was on a championship team. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Poole, zero points last game. They paid him big money. He was going off the walls. Curry's had another great year. Draymond Green is something special. Andrew Wiggins is an all-star. Clay Thompson, you know. Wiggins is not good. I don't care if he was an all-star. He's not good. The point is, (laughs) the point is that this Warriors team is better than this Lakers team. I'm just saying it's crazy to me that the Lakers are winning these games. I mean, the Lakers probably do they have the best two players is lebron and ad are they the best two players in the series i would put i would say steph and ad are probably the top two of the series i would still put lebron i would put i would have curry and lebron i would still put them over AD. okay but still so like it's just i'm just trying i can't understand why the lakers are up 3-1 like yeah. I like I'm almost <laughs> about to like drop a pick on the warriors to win the series like that's just i can't understand yeah, I feel like part of it too is the Warriors have been so deep in the playoffs for so many years. I wonder if this is a little bit of fatigue just showing up. Like, and uh, I know we haven't touched on it really much, but in hockey, this playoff series, especially like all the teams that had done really well last year and this year just flamed out in the first round. And I feel like that's because they were just fatigued from being competitive in the regular season and then going deep in the playoffs. So, could be a, the case with the Warriors a little bit. That's true. Some of those deep, some of those Warriors teams with those runs, I mean, they got some great veteran players with buyouts and who got significant minutes in the playoffs and had some real leadership for those teams. And they don't have that this year um, the same. So that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, LeBron, after doing straight years with the Cavs, you know, when he first went to the Lakers, like a couple injuries, missed playoffs, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I'm not getting heated about this or anything. It's just it's just wild, and it's two teams. Like, I don't like the Lakers. I don't like the Warriors, you know. Um, I, I'm not a LeBron hater or anything, but the Lakers franchise in general I just don't like. So there's not a lot for me to, like, root for when I watch. It's just, it's just crazy to me, but that's a really good point, Chase. I mean, maybe they're just tired. Yeah, it just gets, like, to a point where your body can't – I mean, Steph and Clay, those guys have been – and Draymond, like I, it's kind of unbelievable that they can go this far into the playoffs. And like, if they advance past this round, I mean, that's that's like impressive. You know, it's a lot of miles. Yeah, I mean, Steph runs nonstop when he's on the court. Um, he's unmatched with that. And Clay's still, you know, coming off some pretty drastic and pretty severe injuries. Um, even if he is 
a year out from those. So, yeah. And from one series of guys just being out there until they die for to another one, Kevin Durant is, has like come out before and just, just like, leave me out in the court till, till I'm done. You know what I mean? And I mean, they're down three, two now tough loss against the nuggets. That's been probably the craziest series so far in the second. I mean, I guess now all these series has been really good. Minus, once again, minus, no Chris Paul. Once again, no Chris Paul. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got some really good second-round competitive basketball, and this Suns Nuggets series is also nutty. Yeah, I will say, though, after our last podcast, they did, like, last game, they had TJ Warren, Shamit, Ross, all got, like, 15 minutes or so. So they are trying to those role players and trying to see if they could provide a spark. Yeah, I mean, they have to because they just look depleted. I mean, that trade really did them in to get Kevin Durant and uh, yeah. get into the playoffs. And really, I got to give props to Denver because I didn't think they would make it past, uh, you know, the first round. I was kind of hoping they would lose, but they're obviously showing why they were the number one seed. And Jokic, yeah, he's been putting in work. Murray, too, he has been, you know, kind of reviving himself, finding that playoff form again. So... Yeah, I mean, last game was it was like Michael Porter and Bruce Brown who had like significant points for the Nuggets and just the next man up. Yeah, they kind of like get the flash, but they're also an injury team. Like they could just lose one guy and then Michael Porter goes out with a stiff back and now you're just relying on Aaron Gordon and Jokic and, you know, Murray. And, yeah, because uh, they do not play deep. So you no. are right. One injury and they could be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, I for sure we we have some really bad picks on after further review sometimes, but we always own up to it. We're never gonna shy away. And I for sure slept on these Denver Nuggets. I mean, I thought this was gonna be like a a Suns in five, maybe six. Yeah, I mean, and now the Nuggets of three two on the verge for going to the conference finals. I don't remember the last time the Denver Nuggets were in the conference finals, but this team is like showing they're for real. And I slept on them. I slept on Aaron Gordon. You know, part of me slept on Jokic just because of him, the him and the MB thing. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Correction. The, the, um, the Nuggets actually went to the conference finals that bubble year, which I completely, I always forget about the bubble year because it was like low key irrelevant. Sorry to the Lakers who won it, but it was just a weird, a weird season. So trying to go back to the conference finals, but this team as good as they are trying to get to their second one. I mean, granted, the Sixers haven't been to one yet, but it's it's not over for the Suns yet. And Booker is going to basically be the key factor here because, you know, Durant's going to show up. Yeah, honestly, it'd be pretty cool after all these years of Jokic and Bede, if that was the matchup in the finals, just kind of those two going at it for seven games, that would be that would be pretty neat just to kind of see that come to a head. Yeah, that would. I feel like that would be, you know, an argument sealer right there. Whoever wins that, because like, yeah, you can have your MVPs, but whoever has the ring actually has it. Yeah, how many times like same position head to head in the finals? Like, how many times is that going to happen? Yeah, that's true. That y'all, that would be wild. All of a sudden, go from like these Nuggets are trash to like maybe they're for real enough to get there. And if the Sixers can get through this series, they have 
a chance. And I mean, Embiid and Giannis, it's always been some like head to head, but um, there's not, hasn't been much. I don't think they've even played in the playoffs because they're always usually a, one of those top seeds and the Sixers can't get out of the second round. But when Embiid and Giannis go at it, it's a game. When Embiid and Jokic go at it, I mean, Chase, we were there alive this year to yeah. see Embiid just show up and absolutely dominate and hit some clutch shots down the stretch. And, yeah, that would be – I mean, you talk about storylines. Sometimes it gets hard. When the Suns and Bucks played in the finals, it was like one of those weird storylines. That would be one to – boy, whew, NBA would like that. <clears throat> yeah, I would love it. And I would love to see Embiid just bang up. Jokic and uh this actually kind of bothers me and I wanted to ask you guys about it I wasn't going to bring it up but now I'm going to since we're going in on Jokic but how he like pushed the Suns owner and people were like kind of lauding him in a way they were saying like oh this is a new tough guy image for Yo- like Jokic and he's like living up to being a villain and stuff like that and I was like or he's just a douche like you know, I don't, I don't know. Like he seems like kind of a fake tough guy. He did that stuff last year in Miami with the Morris twins, which if they do play in the finals, I hope both of them are in attendance because they are from Philly. So, you know, I don't really know what else is going on with them, but I would love to just see him be like bang up on Jokic and then what the storylines or how people would spin it. Like, you know, through the whole series, because I don't know, I feel like people just get on their knees for Jokic and it's kind of annoying now. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't watch it live when it happened, but then didn't the next game he like go and give the Suns owner like a ball and stuff, and they were like, "Yeah, they they worked it out." But even then, the owner was like, "Oh, I don't want Jokic suspended and blah blah blah." Like, I don't know, it was just a weird situation. But I just feel like if it was anyone else that did that, it would be not the same reaction. Like, would oh. people be saying that about Embiid if he pushed like the Celtics owner? Like, they'd be like, "Take his MVPs. He's a piece of shit." Like, you know. I don't yeah, know. I was thinking if like Russell Westbrook. I did knew that. you were gonna say Russell <laughs> no, Westbrook. You, yeah, see, if Russell if Russell Westbrook pushed an owner, oh my goodness. Yeah, people would he- people's heads would explode. And like I like after it happened, people were like, Oh, I don't think it's a problem with Jokic. And like just just I don't know. The narrative around it was like, Oh, this is a great arc for his character. And I was like, I don't I don't really see it that way. Like, I feel like I hate Jokic even more now fucking egghead like <laughs> you, you think that could be some on a serious note like could that be some like depiction like one of those like discrimination type situations like because Jokic did it and not like one of these more intense guys that it came out of like the city you know what I mean like Jokic just flew yeah. across the world and he's just like shoving guys and laughing about it. and he's like oh everyone's like oh he's tough but like if a guy like Russell Westbrook does is it does it, yeah. you know, it's a problem. Like, I'm sure if LeBron did it, people would make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Haters where that becomes an issue. So, but like when it happened in Miami last year, I forget who broke their hand, but it, like it had affected the season in a way of like him doing that, like going out of the way to like escalate a situation. And like, I don't know. I think the over the top example would be John Moran pushing someone. I feel like people would be like, oh, he's got guns, nightclubs, and now he's pushing owners. <laughs> you know, that fake tough guy narrative is getting tired if that's if that's what he's going for i don't yeah i don't know if he's necessarily doing i feel like it's people in the nba wanting to be that wanting him to be Jokic to have that attributes or qualities because i don't know he is pretty nondescript to be completely honest like if you had to tell someone about him it'd be like i don't know he's this giant ass white dude really good at passing 
semi clutch can hit a lot of shots and he's a big guy like there's yeah. really nothing else to him other than he like randomly gets an off off the course scraps with with people i don't know plus in the nba to, to pick a fight with anyone why would you pick the morris twins yeah that's yeah and yeah, you, I mean, the Nuggets are also pretty irrelevant of a franchise. Yeah. It's just weird. I mean, Giannis gets a lot of love, too, on the Bucks. So maybe it's just one of those situations where it's like these freaking nature guys coming across from Europe. Like, it's just like something like, ah, to see, you know what I mean? Like, it's like something they've never seen before. So everyone's just going to get behind him no matter what. But it's something to watch going forward, how much of a tough guy Jokic actually is. But. If Embiid somehow made it to the finals, I would want to see them play the Nuggets. That would be really fun. Yeah, I kind of want that. Um, if you know, obviously my focus is set on the Celtics. So I'm not. Yeah, yeah, we'll do no, we do not want to look ahead. But uh, yeah, but that would be cool. That's intense, though. The Jokic tough guy thing. I'm like thinking about. It. You're right. If Jaw, if yeah, Jaw Morant pushed an owner, oh my. God goodness yeah it was actually a clip i heard like uh on odyssey this app like it any cbs sports radio station they do like this thing called a, a radio minute and it's like usually boor- like boomer assassin or somebody like iron eagle like kind of like random people and uh this guy came on just like nutting over Jokic and like the whole situation i was like ew what the fuck like i'm kind of pissed i should have went back and recorded it and sent it to you guys Cause like when I heard it, I was just like super pissed about it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, would you say that about anybody else in the league right now, other than Jokic? I don't think so. I I can't really think of anyone that wouldn't be drug for anything. You know? Yeah. What the heck? What even happened? Do you like what? Yeah, I saw the clip and I watched it like five or six times because I didn't really understand it. But literally, the ball like. The play ends and the ball bounces over to the side and the owner grabs the ball and Jokic comes over and he's like talking to the ref and then he just goes up to like grab the ball right away. And the owner was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like Jokic was trying to speed up the play, but also I feel like the official should be the one to like wrangle the ball in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Jokic is going to inbound it and whatnot, but like, doesn't the ref have to like give you the ball to like do all that like i don't know yeah yeah i mean to start you, the sequence yeah sometimes with the players like if harding gets fouled and he's like holding on to it and like the celtics try to grab it out of his arms or right like, sometimes you see the players kind of get mad at each other but if like a random fan has it also the sun's owner is cool right isn't that it, yeah that, that guy's like I mean, trying to come in all right yeah which by the way did you know that sga and Nikhil Alexander Walker are cousins. Oh, they are cousins. Yeah, they're actually cousins. And Nikhil Alexander Walker, he's on the Pelicans. The Pelicans, right? I think, or he was. And they won the playing game, right? The Pelicans beat the Thunder in the playing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So my, I got. So basically, Nikhil Alexander Walker kind of like was falling out of the rotation, but there was like a couple injuries on the Pelicans, obviously. In that game, he asked to guard SGA. And I guess when they were little, like, even though they were cousins, they, like, played it on the same team. So they were always, like, playing against each other and stuff in practice. 
And so basically he was able to shut down SGA just because he's like knows him so well. Damn. But it was like a crazy story. I mean, it would have been cool if it was like the conference finals or something. Yeah. Or even like a, a series. But yeah, they're legit cousins. Because I always forget about Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but I read that story. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's crazy. I guess it's like Trayvon Diggs and Stefan Diggs matching up in a game. That's true. Yeah. Now, yeah. Kind of similar things. Yeah. Because, you know, he probably wants to guard Stefan. Like, yeah, that's actually probably more equally matched because, like, a corner can kind of guess the receiver, but the receiver can kind of guess what the corner does. Whereas, like, the NBA, it's you don't really know what a defender is going to do. They're just defending. So the defender yeah. has, like, an advantage in guessing what you're going to do. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And yeah, like I would imagine that him and Stefan probably train together. So he must know like all of his moves. Yeah. In a way. Like, or he like Stefan would have to like practice some stuff on the side to whip yeah. out in a game. But they I mean, it's not like they play all the time. Like be crazy. It would be crazy if they were in the same conference. Like if Stefan Diggs was on like an NFC t- East team. That'd be crazy. Play two because... times a year. Yeah. Possibly three, because you could play twice division and then play a third time in the playoffs. Yeah, and you got a number one corner and a number one receiver, so they're always going to cover each other. Yeah, that'd be naughty. I kind of hope Stefan Diggs is traded to the NFC East now. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't happen as much in, I guess, in basketball because, like, it's not offense and defense. Like, in football, you have, like, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey, but they're both an offensive player, so. Yeah, true. Yo, it'd be intense if there were two linemen or brothers and they face each other. Yeah. Oh, well. Has it happened? The Lions left tackle, uh, Sewell, his younger brother is a linebacker who got drafted by the Bears, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so if it's a running play, there's a chance that he's able to go and just block the heck out of him. Yeah, I'm sure like the offensive tackle one is going to destroy his younger brother, but (laughs) Just based off size, but yeah, they'll probably match up though at some point. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, basketball happens a lot. There was that one. Do you remember there was the year the Suns were really bad and there was two Drogic brothers. It was Goron and I forget his brother's name. And then the Morris twins were also on that team. Oh, yeah. I do kind of remember that. Yeah. And I... Was that the year before they got Monty Williams? I think so. Or Monty Williams' first year or something? Yeah, yeah. It was like, Goron was really good on their Suns teams, and then the Morris Twins are the Mars Twins, and then Goron's brother was, like, trash. But I was like, what the heck? I don't even – because I remember one time, too, there's, like, not Drew Holiday, but the other two, Aaron and Justin, were on the same team. But I don't. Yo, Loki, this could be our rabbit hole. I wonder if that Suns team had two or three sets of brothers. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they had one of the holidays at that point, too. Yo. Like maybe like Justin Holiday, I feel like. I feel like it was a son. Or maybe it was Aaron. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, they're both kind of irrelevant to me. I know. To I, I think they were playing together on the Pacers together oh you're right you're right yeah they play together yeah. oh my gosh this team is buns i see one Dragic, goron's on there and both morris twins are they had they still had luis scola you remember oh my god yeah like the greasy black hair yeah 
PJ Tucker was on the team, Martian Gortat, Jared Dudley, just a bunch of bald guys fight each other. Ew. That's such a beefy, like, bench. And uh, Michael Beasley. <laughs> oh, my God. What the heck? That's a weird... What team. year was that? 2012-2013. 2012-2013, Phoenix Suns. What a garbage team. Yeah, that's trash. I guess PJ Tucker was, like, younger than... Yeah, he's he's 38. It's him, LeBron, and Chris Paul are from the same high school class. They're, like, the only ones left from that class. Oh, shit. That's crazy. In 2003. Well, yeah, but PJ Tucker and Chris Paul went to college, right? Or did they oh, come yeah. out of school? So they no, were... they both went to college. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they well, I mean, they all graduated high school in 2003, so... Well, so I looked up the next year, and Michael Beasley's not on the team, but Eric Bledsoe is. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? What the heck? Oh, Leandro Barbosa. Mm. Morris Twins and Goran Dragic, but I can't find the other. What the heck? I didn't know PJ Tucker was on all those teams. He probably literally did nothing. Like They were probably like, oh, we need you to score more. And he's like, I can only shoot corner threes. <laughs> I feel like that's their entire team is just niche players. Like all of them had one thing that they did really well. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is the year. Yo, they finished under 500. I'm pretty sure it was Booker's rookie year. Yeah, although now I'm not seeing him on here. Yeah, they had Eric Bledsoe, Reggie Bullock, Seth Curry. Oh. They had Goran and Zoran Dragic. (laughs) I don't even remember the other Dragic. Yeah, you don't remember Zoran? I forgot it. No. They played, you know how I knew because in like the, in the Olympics, they were played on the Gerald Green, Brandon Knight. Who, Brandon Knight. The Morris twins, Miles Plumley. Oh. (laughs) He was like, he's not as good as Mason, but he was better than the other one that I don't even remember from Duke. Oh yeah, true. Isaiah Thomas. What the heck? PJ Tucker was still there. TJ Warren and Brandon Knight. What the heck? Yeah, it was literally oh, Goron such a and weird team. Goron and Zoran. <laughs> How long did Zoran play for? Um. Oh my gosh, he was also a lefty. <laughs> no way. What the hell? Uh, he debuted in 2014 and he only played one year. 16 games and he only averaged 1.8 points. Dude, no, no. Dude, they both played on the suns and this and the heat that year what did they get traded together to miami they must have no 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 they traded them together dude oh dude. wow all right so it's a three-team trade the suns traded goron Dragic and zoran Dragic to the heat the heat traded norris cole justin hamilton and sean williams to the pelicans and the Heat also traded Danny Granger and a pick to the Sun. And the Pelicans only gave up this dude named John Salmons because their what? conditional pick didn't even convey. So literally, I, fr- I remember Norris Cole being one of those Pelicans. Teams yeah. yeah, Norris Cole. That was a, that's a bust-out name. Oh, this is literally the year. That the Sixers traded Mikel Bridges to the Suns. Yeah. yeah, sometimes I hate that when I'm on like basketball reference. I'm like, you could just go on a, a like a 
an actual rabbit hole just tracing one pick and seeing how many times it traded hands, where it was from, who it went to. I'm just trying to think of like, like if you're in the front office, if you don't do something insane, like why do you like sometimes I feel like they make it way too deep. Are they just trying to like save their job and like be like, oh yeah, I calculated this out, this three team trade with all these picks and random ass third tier players. Oh, it's gonna work out for us in three years. Like, what's yeah. the point? You have no idea. I don't I don't understand basketball moves. I think that's a sport I don't get the most. Like because you'll literally just trade somebody for nothing in return. So much m- movement when you have no idea. And there's like 10-day contracts that somebody will sign like five of those in a row. And they're literally just playing for someone on a 10-day contract. Yeah, and they'll it's... make it like guaranteed or something like that. But I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Does any other sport have like 10-day contracts? If anything, it would make sense in the MLB because then you get to play yeah. like eight games. Or if you needed a pitcher or just like a position player or someone, yeah. Yeah, you could get a pitcher, comes in, and he could have two starts. Like a starting pitcher could pitch two starts for you. Yeah. Like someone who just bounces around from team to team all season and just makes like one like one start for the – Yo, I mean, man, I guess that kind of yeah. happens now, like – Someone who's out of options and then they get designated for assignment. Like you bounce around a couple teams through a season, but yeah. not like not, not. I feel like basketball is the only one with 10 day contracts and 10 day contracts are dumb too, because like half the time it's like players that don't even play. Like the Sixers always signed Charlie Brown Jr. to a 10 day contract and then he would come in at the end of the game for garbage minutes. And I'm like, why did you even sign him? Yeah. Like, I know. You have two-way players that you're not going to play anyway. I just don't understand, like, not using your whole bench. Like, I don't know. I feel like you unlock stuff and people sometimes don't like you just put them in a game. Like, not everyone's a good practice person, so. That's true. Like, the MLB, they'll use, like, everyone as a pinch hitter and, like, most of your bullpen, like, in any game. The NFL uses... Granted, they have injuries and they also have special teams, but they use basically every player in different situations. Like, you only have 15 guys on the NBA bench, and during the regular season, most teams have 10-man rotation, and then it goes to, like, seven or eight in the playoffs. And so there's just, like, three to four guys that just ride the bench all season for no reason. Yeah, other (laughs) than just being on the team, like – Like, I mean, how much difference can a backup center and, like, a third-tier center be? Like, the Sixers have Deadman, Harrell, and Reed. Like, throughout the season, They, I mean, they kind of used them all here and there, but in a game, like, why wouldn't you just be like, okay, you get the second quarter, just go out and play the whole quarter. Yeah, or just use them for matchups. Like, I don't know. I feel like Montrezl, like, could get a couple minutes. I I don't think he's, like, that bad of a player, like. Yeah, he got big know. minutes in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like, they're paying him a decent amount of money, and, like, he can get streaky with the shooting, too. Like, I feel like teams on the clip when he's with the Clippers, he would do that sometimes. Like, just start going off and then getting people in foul trouble because he's a fucking tank. Yeah, but, but all right. I mean, honestly, the biggest NBA rabbit hole of all time. Kind of just like a chill, throw-it-together podcast, but we made it through, so... Great show. 
Chase, do you have anything else before we head out for the night? No. Cool. I was cool. going to have something funny, but I don't have anything. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll check back next week. And just shout out to all our listeners out there. And we appreciate you. Um, crazy podcast for sure. Just a bunch of random things. But that's what we like most about further review. And we'll check back in next week. And we'll have a lot of good topics then. So, yeah. Ryan, Ben, and Chase out. Peace.